And now, enjoy this free JZO Modcast show. Hey there, this is Ralph Garman, and you are listening to the World of Myth Bits. You made an excellent choice. Welcome to the World of Myth Bits. We are your hosts, Jenna and Joe Sparks, and this is episode 123. Welcome. The World of Myth Bits. Welcome to the world of Myth Bits. Um, we have a really not much housekeeping, but I do want to talk about the open contract challenge because it was recently announced. And every year that it's rolled around, which this is the third, right? Yeah, the third. And um, it's pretty exciting. So I kind of want to cover some bases with it first in case you haven't heard, haven't gone to the website, haven't um, even thought like, oh, this isn't for me. But guess what? If you are a writer, a poet, an artist, you are eligible. Like it's for every kind of creative, anything that essentially can be published. And I think it's really cool that it really, really starting to evolve and and really kind of create uh, this environment that's really like inclusive for Again, all types of creative. So it doesn't even matter how many times you've ever been published before. You are still eligible. The only like thing is you have to be 18 years or older, um, which I, I think is fair. And then obviously you have to have the rights to your work, both print and electronic rights. Just make sure it's yours. <laughs> you know, it's, it's yours. Most genres are welcome, excluding what would be considered pornographic. Tasteful, you know, be tasteful. Work published previously in any copyrighted newspaper, magazine, book, or other medium, that also is not eligible. There's a lot of uh, politics and law (laughs) reasons for that, so... Just make sure it's new content. And so that's going to take us to the entries. The uh, website is www.opencontractchallenge.com. And all submissions are to be submitted no later than 11.59 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, Thursday, April 30th, 2021. And obviously, it's only going to be digital. Don't think you can mail in your your submissions. It's pretty cool because I like the way how it's the previous year's winners who are now kind of taking on the reins in uh, all of the successive challenges. So this year, Walter G. Esselman who won last year, will select the grand prize winner. And I think that's really fun. The open contract challenge is officially open. And best of luck to everybody who even considers doing it. Just do it. Like, what have you got to lose? If you do have any questions, though, for the the contest, and you're just like, oh, I don't know, you can always email Walter G. 
Esselman, that's E-S-S-E-L-M-A-N, at opencontractchallenge.com. And then he should be able to answer anything. Because my biggest thing is like, I'm like, oh, I don't know if I'm if I'm ready. I don't know if I have the content. Just do it. Like I said, what's the worst that's going to happen? So if you're hesitant to enter, don't be. Just do it. You're You're going to figure it out as you go. <laughs> and I think it's a really, really great and cool opportunity. As you know, the winner uh, does get to come out to California for Pop Culture Expo 2021. So... It's worth a shot. So here's my, uh, you know, just do it gif. Uh, just do it. Ready, set, go. <laughs> Ready, set, go. Every episode we do, um, aside from the reviews, and I say it pretty much every week, we, we strive to open conversations about the way we think and how to use those invitations creatively because there's there's no right way or wrong way to be creative but in particular um especially when it comes to the subject of writing and whatnot there's there's a lot and you know as as we see like content is constantly evolving and I think we are getting more and more very realistic and relatable pieces, whether it's from like submissions to the magazine or, you know, indie films or I mean, like, you name it, content that's that's coming out. It's 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 shifting, it's changing and it's evolving to really kind of tell these stories that I think never got told um, that deserve to be told or, or the stories that we crave and want to hear. I know your favorite subject is you know, like true to life narratives, but your your favorite genre is, uh, you know, the the narratives of very earnest and typically very heart wrenching uh, genres. You know, in that that vein of how we talk about and discuss character development, story development motives, everything that goes into building these worlds that we all, as creatives, strive to present and create, you know, there's always some semblance of of truth behind what we're writing. It doesn't matter if we're writing a villain. It doesn't matter if we're writing protagonist. It doesn't matter what. There's, there's some form of relationship between who you are, you know, kind of spilling into the character whether it's an insecurity or whatever the point of this giant rant is I kind of want to get a little personal which I'm always fine with getting personal I never am bothered with that but um this is this is something that's kind of been going on for the past couple months but in real reality it's been going on for the past 13 years so yeah, I kind of want to talk about that and kind of how it's made me think a little bit more uh, uh, again about certain things. <laughs> I'm going to take you back to Jenna being 18, dumb, naive, repeatedly dumb. <laughs> I can't uh, 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 hammer that down enough. So... I was working at 
hot topic. My first job, and it was uh, uh, holiday season. My feet were killing me, like in a way that was like, this isn't normal. I went to the doctor. My doctor saw something on my neck and was like, what's that? And I'm like, a knot? And she's like, hmm, I'm going to go ahead and refer you to an ENT. So to backtrack, I had wound up with one major lump in my clavicle area. And again, stupid teenager, really stupid teenager, did not think it was anything because the idea of it being anything more than some weird anomaly was not even in my peripheral. And even my friends, anybody who like saw it or knew was like, it's nothing. And it just was like a just back burner. You know, it's nothing. I felt fine. I was okay. So I went in to see the ENT and he's like, yeah, that's that's a little weird. And honestly, within like another couple weeks, I had another lump on the other side of my neck. And um, I was having trouble breathing. I would go into these like weird, like spasms of uh, just choking, like I could not breathe. And I thought it was like, maybe I had asthma, like I said, like just really ignorant on my part. Christmas time, the day after Christmas, I went in for a biopsy. Uh, January 2nd, found out, yes, it's Hodgkin's lymphoma. Um, and then within, I think, February, I went in to have my porticath put in. Uh, they actually couldn't put the porticath in because I had too many tumors in the area. So we had to go back in a week later. So I had the use of neither of my arms. Um, and then, um, after that, we, we st- about a week later, after successfully implanting the, the porticath, I started chemo. And it was three, yeah, three rounds. I can't remember all the, again, 13 years ago. Three rounds, um, and it was um, pretty aggressive. I, I don't know if there's any kind of unaggressive chemotherapy, but I know my doctor was like, yeah, we're going we're gonna to go at it aggressively, okay? June 10th of that year went into remission. I could breathe again. My tumors were gone. Awesome. Uh, About a year later, I had some slight inflammation in my tonsils. Uh, My oncologist was like, let's get those out. Went back to the NT. He was like, "Uh, fine. (laughs) He really was like, I don't want to take them out, but we're going to take them out, I guess. Uh, Healing from a tonsillectomy as an adult is really horrible. (laughs) Would not uh, advise anybody if they can help it. Let's kind of jump ahead. Over the past 13 years, fortunately, um, everything has been okay. But that doesn't mean that every time I feel my chest kind of tighten or I wake up and like, I, I, I don't know, there's a lot of trauma from that whole experience. And I think it was my own ignorance that really kind of traumatized me because I was like, how stupid could I have been to not even think that that cancer was in a realm of possibility? You know, at 18 years old, I was just a a silly, goofy little kid who enjoyed 
partying and uh, working at Hot Topic and being the cool kid, essentially. And all of a sudden, that went out the door. You know, and, and of course, you know, there comes the trauma of my hair was everything. I mean, I have pictures of how my hair looked. I was every color under the rainbow. I I mean, and it, it was just my thing. My hair was my thing. And all of a sudden that was gone. Um, I felt, you know, it just, it, it was a really traumatic time. And I don't think I realized for many, many years how bad it screwed with me emotionally. You know, how much... I didn't really think about it. It was like once it was done and over with and I went into remission, I think for a long period I was just like, okay, good, cool, we're done. I'll go in for my PET scan next year. That'll be that. We'll be good. And then, of course, the joys of losing insurance or not being able to afford insurance or not having insurance or, you know, and, and without insurance and, and all of that, it I, I essentially put my aftercare on the back burner and I did not see my oncologist for for several years. It felt like like kind of a yearly thing. <laughs> the minimum I would kind of go through like these sporadic scares whether it was oh there's a weird ache in my my neck or I I can't tell does this feel swollen or you know it it just it there was always this like looming presence that at some point I wasn't going to be in remission anymore. It just, it, it it's not necessarily an easy feeling to deal with, but eventually you kind of, it, the, it goes away, you know, it goes away and you're like, okay, so I'm not dead yet essentially is, is the way my brain takes it. It's, you're not dead yet. So obviously you're, you're fine enough. You know, and when you don't have insurance, it's kind of the way you have to think, which is really sick and sad and horrible. Um, that's a whole other rant. But around January 15th, I don't know why the date is like hammered in there, but around January 15th of this year, my lymph nodes in my neck area just started hurting really bad. And it was very strange. I've, n- I mean, and it wasn't like, the the oh you're sick kind of hurt it was like a throbbing ache <laughs> and it would jump not in one focus lymph node or even in two it would jump all around my glands in my neck and chest area of course at first I'm like okay maybe I'm sick maybe I got uh COVID you know like I don't know and then it it never really stopped and it would just kind of get worse and worse and then the stress starts and all of a sudden it's like, okay, so I'm not sick. Maybe it's an infection. Maybe it's a blocked submandibular gland. Maybe it's, you know, this. Then comes Google and... That is never a good idea, especially somebody like me, who is, in essence, a hypochondriac. I admit it. I really am. The the constant Googling, oh, you know, like, ache and neck, no swelling, or um, can lymph nodes cause uh, this, or, 
just like whatever I could look up, I was looking up because I was just I, I wanted to know that it wasn't something devastating. And I wasn't getting those answers because as we all know, if you've ever done it, you Google any symptom, it doesn't matter. My toe hurts. Okay, well, you've got, you know, uh, 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 cancer of the fascia, the plantar fasciitis. I don't know. Something weird. But I don't think that's a thing either. But you know what I mean? Like, it's gonna lead you down this rabbit hole of the worst case scenario. So the stress was really doing a number on me. Like, really, really, really doing a number. So I finally talked to my doctor she had me go get blood work and all of this. And she's like, yeah, your white blood cell count is a little high. Your red blood cell blood cell count is a little high, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I want you to go get a, a bone marrow biopsy. And I'm like, what? Like that went from zero to 60 in like not even 3.9. It was like, you know, 1.9. It just went so fast. Then I panicked <laughs> because I'm like, she, you know, my primary doctor is like, yeah, you might have cancer again. Girl, go get tested. I went to go see my oncologist because we have fortunately insurance again um, that only helps myopically, but I was able to get back in. He was like, okay, first of all, your anxiety is doing you no favors. Second of all, before we jump into doing something like a bone marrow biopsy, let's do some blood work and a CT. Cue the CT scan costing $1,500 that amazing people helped me <laughs> gather the funds for. Thank you very much, everyone. And I, I I, didn't even know people, like, loved me the way they showed me love. So anyway, yeah, I got the CT and my blood work. And then I was doing fine before, like, I went to go get the CT because I just... It, it, my daughter, my oncologist, he was pretty reassuring. He was like, let's just err on the side of caution. I think you're fine. Your blood work is really not um, really concerning. You just might be somebody who has a naturally high white blood cell count because it's been consecutively high for the past couple of years. So he's like, it just, it might be your body. Like, but let's do the CT. So Joe and I went to see him the other day, um, to get the results of the CT and, and the blood work. The CT came back pretty much in the clear. He gave me no indication that there was anything of concern. There was like some benign issues with my lymph nodes and my pelvis. And then like one lymph node is just a little, a little funky, but you know, honestly, that I think should be expected when you had uh, a, a cancer that affected your lymphatic system. He, you know, he, he just, he really gave no sign that there was really anything that came up on the CT that was super worrisome. But I don't know where or how, but some of the blood work he had ordered went missing. I don't know. Apparently, I, I don't know if the lab didn't actually run the test no idea what what's going on with that. But he was really kind of bothered at that. Not at me, but at the whoever. <laughs> and so he was like, basically, 
you know, for your peace of mind and mine as your oncologist, let's do the bone marrow biopsy. Well, he actually said, do you want to do the bone marrow biopsy? And he kind of he kind of recommended it just because, you know, basically to, to shut up any kind of doubts or anything, just to be very cautious and proactive. So I'm doing the bone marrow biopsy. I have done one before. Um, I know what to expect. It's bad, but it's not that bad. So that's going to be the next step. Also, I'm going to go see a dentist. Um, my doctor suggested it could be something dental. So hopefully that explains uh, the pain because the pain has not gone away and we're going on three months and it's really annoying. And then it's just the point I'm getting at is it's like any time there is any iota or suggestion that my body is like working against me <laughs> or working against itself really it just it, it like it 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 panics me it, it sends me into this like really dark dark place and i'm feeling better now i'm feeling much more hopeful i think if there was anything super concerning we would know by now between a ct and um, all the blood work and everything that we would know if there was something like we're really like looking for. But, you know, of course, I'm still nervous. I don't know what my blood marrow or my bone marrow is going to suggest. Uh, <laughs> it's going to be the tell all. That whole long winded story, though, it, it made me kind of want to address this odd feeling of stagnancy like when my brain started going in that direction started moving in the direction that I'm no longer in remission that cancer is back that I have to go through this that you know uh the next year is going to be nothing but chemo and surgeries and all of this and that's even if my insurance will allow it to happen. Case in point, my CT scan. <laughs> I just couldn't function. I couldn't function in thinking about the future. And that feeling was very familiar when, you know, I, I go through like depressive episodes and, and anybody who has ever experienced anything like this on any any kind of spectrum or who has dealt with depression, you probably know exactly what I'm talking about where it's like, and it's a flawed logic, don't get me wrong, but it's like there's this, I don't want to think about the future. I can't think about the future because I don't know. I, you go into the darkest places, like, am, am I going to be here in the future? Or, you know, like, what's my future going to look like? Is it going to be you know, am I going to constantly, you know, be dealing with this? Am I going to have cancer after cancer after cancer? Am I going to have, you know, it just, it's, it's a mess. It's a mess of gross thoughts that will not just let you kind of be more present. And, you know, it just, it, it, it's horrible. So then that kind of makes you start thinking about how am I going to be okay with what I've done up to this point? 
in that like creative aspect, there's so much I want to do. There's, I mean, like so, so much I want to do. And not that I'm not going to do it, but there, like I said, there's a stagnancy. Like you have to put any thoughts of your goals, your dreams, anything on hold. Not that you have to, but your brain just like does it like as like this, this protective coping mechanism. So I guess it just kind of made me want to really push and navigate like these conversations of like this, this kind of creative immortality, if you will. And I say immortality because obviously the things we make, the things we create, they're going to live on beyond us. Like it doesn't matter if you are 108 years old, your work is going to live on beyond you. That's not to think so highly of myself or anything like that. Um, But it's like, there's this like, I don't know, it's it's an unease. And granted, I think my brain would have flipped a switch if my oncologist came back and was like, yeah, for sure. Uh, we need to get started on a treatment plan right now. We need to do all of this. And I, I probably would have gone into like survival mode, you know, because I did that once before. I, I, I jumped into survival mode when I was uh, first diagnosed, you know, over a decade ago. And I just did it. I just dealt with it. And that was it, you know, and it was horrible, but I dealt with it. And so I know I would deal with it again if I had to. Still, I use the word unease because like if I were to ask you, like, are you satisfied with everything you've done or or like would it pain you if you knew you couldn't continue making something? So you're looking at mortality like straight ahead of you Mm -hmm. as somebody who rides a hog. And going 60 miles an hour, and if somebody cuts in front of you, that's your mortality right there. Yeah. This has helped because when riding, I use a passive uh, style. I guess if you need to call it anything, so I use a passive style. So if something happens, you cannot freak out on that thing. Yeah. Because you will taste what that Toyota has to offer. Yeah. You know? <laughs> That definitely is one way to look at it. But I mean, like, if you, like, we have, we talk about, like, all the things we want to do, you know, and, like, there's so much. Right. There's so much. And I think that's kind of what, like, frankly, just kind of really, really, like, angers me. Right. Is that, you know, here we are, and we've been together for over 10 years, or for almost 10 years. We're at a point in our marriage where it's, like, I feel like we're so synchronized, especially creatively, I think I would just be so, like, angry if that couldn't come to fruition. Well, absolutely. You know, there definitely would be anger behind that. But also, I feel, too, that partially that's kind of an issue when you look so far into either the future or the past. And the human mind either goes in either direction. You can't be within the present. And I mean, this is... This is the whole, you know, ball rolling deal in which I'm trying to get into my own mindset as to be in more of a present thing. Yeah. Because the entirety of the doctor's office visit, you were in the past. Yeah, I couldn't help it. Exactly. That was, I mean, like that. Exactly, right? So. That's traumatic. <laughs> that, that is, that is, that's the nature of the beast and of trauma. Yeah. You're either in the past or you're in the future. Yeah. Right? And you can't be in the present and it will not allow you. It's kind of like the real system, like the mental real system. You cannot turn the reels off because the past is always rolling in yeah. your mind, right? Yeah. 
this compassionate view on ourselves is where this really has to um, uh, grab and anchor us to the present, right? Mm -hmm. Because even though there's many projects in the future and, 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 you know, you know, many things you want to do, whatnot, um, you got to work on them a little bit of a time right now, because you ever notice that feeling when you complete something like it's weird. And I'm sure everybody can agree. Like when you complete something, kind of forget about it. Yeah. You can, you make this thing and you ever like look up at that picture right there and you're like, Oh yeah, I drew that. Yeah. It doesn't resonate in the system because it's not the object and it's not the completed project. I, or I the honestly project. get it, really like... It's the process. Yeah. Right. And that's what the whole deal is. It's the process of doing the thing because... Yeah, because I can sit there and I can look at... For anybody who's wondering, we're looking at the piece I did based off of Westworld. Um, <laughs> and, uh, I, can, I can remember the exact feelings uh, that... I had while well, working on that one because I remember the music I was listening to the the clips I was watching and and I, I can remember the essence of the feeling that when it that I experienced while drawing it, it kind of goes with that with most of my pieces and I know like it's it's silly but it's like you do like it doesn't and I'm not talking about like oh I put so much energy into the, this piece I don't mean like that I just mean it's like if you're doing what you love and you're truly enjoying it, or even if you're just so passionate about something, like you're gonna remember the 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 essence of right. the activity of doing right. it. Like Yeah, because that piece was my first, you know, dive into composing also yeah. at the same time, you know. Um <laughs> I love my girl. Please do not low and listen to that one. No. <laughs> uh, I still fight for you and say it's good. Oh, jeez. So, uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's the same thing. It's 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 we right now we can't even fathom what we're gonna be doing a year from now. Yeah. Right. So we can't we can believe that we're gonna do all these amazing projects and everything, but we cannot fathom actually what we're gonna be doing. Yeah. A year from now. Because, as it's shown, yeah. a lot can change. Well, a lot can change and a lot can be built in just yeah. one year, mm -hmm. right? We need to have ourselves anchored into a present moment, you know? Um, and because the doctor said it was pretty much, you know, in, in the clear and everything like that, because you're just fine from the doctor's visit, you know? It's, yeah, see, because now, see, that one's kind of hard. Because you've had the experience already and through the, 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 the trauma of already having the experience, you cannot fathom what a, the experience would have been like when you were 18 on the first account, right? Yeah. So at that point, you're flying with the ship like, I don't know, dude, you know? Mm -hmm. um, if only we can kind of gather that and use that attitude throughout. Like, I mean, you know? Well, I think... You know, too, it's it's partly, you know, on one hand, it's it's new territory. You know, it's it's the same territory, but it's new territory. And like, ideally, I'm I'm super relieved because a I was like, I, I would sit there and obsessively feel my neck and I'd feel something that just felt like that that doesn't feel right. What's that? 
And now after the CT and stuff, I should I, I I am relieved and I should be 10 times more relieved because, OK, there's obviously nothing like I'm I'm, you know, just kind of making nothing out of making something out of nothing, you know, and that that's new territory because it's the territory of, you know, that post trauma of because the first time around I didn't like you said you're just kind of like okay going with the flow whatever's gonna happen is gonna happen you know when I was I was young I had you know my mom to guide me and I don't want to sound you know goofy but I, I was a kid and essentially when you're a kid visiting an oncologist office you know weekly a lot of people are are more than happy to kind of hold your hand you know much less than than you know it it would be as an adult that's not to say like oh there's no empathy or compassion in in uh you know the that field of work or anything like that but it's when you're young there's there's definitely you know people are more willing to like really just kind of like lead you and like okay you know you're gonna be fine um you know not that, like I said, it's not like it's not like that as an adult, but there's nobody who's there to hold the hand of a 30-something-year-old, you know, versus an 18-year-old. Like I said, it's it's familiar territory, but it's new territory. And dealing with it is is weird, and it's hard, and you don't know how to deal with it. Because you're dealing through it, you're dealing with it through a totally different lens. Then I'm dealing with it, but we're still in the same boat of dealing with it. It's my first rendezvous, so I still have the okay. I guess we'll do this then, and you know, figure it out. Yeah, and that was the same thing, like with the uh, inflammation and the lymph nodes and whatnot. It's like I mean, that, that 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 could be anything, you know. Mm-hmm. In in my own mind, you know. Um, it's not even that they were ever inflamed; they just hurt. <laughs> like that's the th- yeah. <laughs> A little spinal tap will take care of that. That's going to be fun. Are you going to be there? Are you going to take me? I'm going to take you. Yeah. You want that needle going? If if anybody has never had um, a bone marrow biopsy, I'm going to give you a quick play-by-play, and I'm going to do it in a slightly humorous way to ease my nerves. And sorry if it's triggering or upsetting for anybody who's ever had to endure it. But let's let's set the stage for, for Joe. So first, you go in. And you don't have to change or anything, but they pull your pants down to your butt crack because they need exposure to your pelvis. And you're on your stomach because it's the most comfortable way, I guess. And they give you uh, the numbing stuff. They, they, they make it nice and numb. But here's the thing. You can't numb bone. And not that you feel the bone there it's a very strange sensation and i i actually don't know if it's like the same as like an epidural i don't know i've had i my friend's mom like the first time i went through it she was like oh you know yeah it's it's like an epidural i don't know i've never had an epidural so i don't know so anybody who wants to tell me please tell me um but (laughs) so you're on your stomach uh and you can really only hear everything by the time your back is numb and they 
prep you and (laughs) jam that sucker in your back. It is like a 10-inch needle minimum from what I remember, okay? The pain, there's pain, okay? But for me, what I remember, I don't remember the pain. And I don't know, there's a whole theory about how we like forget pain so that way we can, I don't know. But I don't remember the pain. I mean, I remember the the ache, but I don't remember the pain. I remember how it sounded. I could hear the bone being penetrated through my body. Like the sound of it traveled through my bones up to my skull and I could hear it. And it was horrible. (laughs) That's what I remember. Like, that's what I remember. And I'm not looking forward to it again. And so, and it's funny too, because like, I remember like before all that happened, I went and I got an industrial piercing in my ear. Again, it didn't hurt when I got it done. But my mom who was with me, she was like standing across the room and she's like, I could hear it. I could hear that needle penetrate the threads of the cartilage in your ear and that is the most disgusting thing I have ever heard in my life so when we go and do this bone marrow uh biopsy and you're in there with me I want you to listen and I want to know if you can hear it because I just I want to know I'm curious if you can hear it should I bring this audio sampling equipment yes use it in one of the pieces that'll be our podcast for that week we'll just do uh (laughs) <laughs> Hang on, Doc. I'm getting a little back beat on my my floor noise here. <laughs> Just step back like three inches. <laughs> I think that'd be kind of fun, actually. No. But yeah, so that was an episode essentially about nothing. That was just me kind of wanting to use this forum as a bit of a journal to release a lot of the thinky thoughts I've had over the past couple months. And... um. Everybody I'm around is really sick to death of hearing me complain, so I thought I would um, gift it all to you, our precious, precious friends uh, who don't get to listen to me complain all the time. Um, But yeah, so that being said, though, we were going to try to get the uh, review out, like this, this episode, But I figured just with everything going on with with the appointment and everything, it just I don't I think both of us agreed. It's like it's we're not going to be able to give the work full attention and we would never want to to dishonor any of the writers and artists and poets, all of the, the contributors to the magazine by not being able to give it our full attention. So good news is that means the review will be next week. And it will have 100% of our attention. And I feel better now getting all of that off my chest. In the meantime, you can find us at theworldofmyth.com, on Facebook and Twitter at the World of Myth Bits podcast and the World of Myth magazine, and on Instagram at the World of Myth Bits. And we will be back next week again with the review. Great stuff in there. Thanks for listening. Until next time.
The world of myth, bitch. Dallas Buyers Club. <laughs> Dallas Buyers Club. I'm not talking about biography. It is an indie film. <laughs> that won several Oscars. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> <laughs>